Thank you for choosing the podcast of East Haven Baptist Church in Brookhaven, Mississippi. For more information on the ministries of East Haven and to access videos and sermon notes from our services, visit www.easthaven.net. love the sounds of Christmas that we've been singing about. It's fantastic. I uh, have never met a Grinch-like person named Joy. Have you? I, I never have. If you have, don't, I don't want to hear about it. But I've known a number of Joy, or derivative of that word, like Joyce and others through the years, and they always seem to, unless I'm forgetting somebody, never be Grinch-like. They reflect, in a way, their name. When you think of joy, you think of someone that has a delightful spirit. It's not like they don't have a bad day, but they have a, a delightful countenance about it. I, I, I I would tell you that I do have, I'm, I'm going to confess this morning, that I have a favorite joy in my life. My granddaughter is Atlee Joy Crane. And so even though she has Crane at the end, she has some kitchens about her because she was named after my grandfather, Atlee, and then because she looks like her mother, who looks sort of like our family tree. And so I'm just telling you up front, you have your probably favorite joy, and that's my favorite joy as far as a person, Atley Joy Crane. But I, I, I want to talk about that word, but joy is more than a name. Joy is fruit of the spirit love peace joy in galatians it talks about how if we abide in christ then naturally there will be fruits of the spirit that come out that reflect that we are a christ follower not necessarily going to church or having religious jargon but the way to really understand and know if we're maturing in the christian life is if we are bearing the fruit of the spirit that Galatians talks about. If you have your Bible, I want to invite you to turn to Luke chapter 1 in a moment. We'll be looking at verses 39 through 44. Christmas is full of this word joy. Joy to the world. The songs that we've been singing had the word joy in it, have the word joy in it. And then we think about The shepherds in the fields in Luke 2.10, do not be afraid. I bring you, as the angel said, good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Now, the reason that was shared, or one of the primary reasons, is because up to that point, it had been about 400 years from Malachi, you have your copy of God's Word, the last book mentioned in the Old Testament, before the Gospels, the Gospel of Matthew. And so it had been a long time since the prophets spoke, and they called that period of 400 years the silent years. And so this was great news, great joy, because the true Messiah was coming and was being announced 
It's in John chapter 1, verse 14. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, meaning logos, meaning Jesus, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Now, the Christmas story begins before the birth of Jesus. Just a reminder of our history as we reflect a little bit more on this joy. It's before Mary and Joseph. It begins with Zechariah and his wife, Elizabeth. They were, the Bible says, very old and not able to conceive, which in that day was frowned upon if a wife could not bear a child. They were described as righteous, blameless, and faithful. And the angel Gabriel shows up and lets them know they're going to have a child. Now, Hosack, though a prophet, had a little trouble believing that. Come on. We're very old. Now, very old, you know, there's some of us that might, some, some, believe it or not, look at me and say, man, that dude's old. But I'm not very old. Now, there's some other names I could call out, and I'd never do that to Phil or anybody else in here. But... Some of us are seasoned and have a few years behind us, but he's saying, hey, come on. Really? I I mean, I love my wife, Liz, and we've not been able to have a child, and come on. And so the angel said, hey, since you don't have faith in this, you're going to have to be silent. You're just going to have to text until the child is born. And so that was an indication, all right, big boy, you watch and see, because with God, all things are possible. Now, we don't see that in Elizabeth. She seemed to be pretty excited about what happened. Well, meanwhile, in Galilee, Gabriel makes another appearance to Mary, the mother of Christ. She received the news gracefully and willingly. And some of that comes prior to what I've just shared with you before the text in verse 39 in chapter 1. Here's what it says in IV version. At that time, Mary got ready, hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Elizabeth says to Mary, As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And so we see that joy is more than a name. Against the backdrop of Elizabeth and Zechariah and Joseph and Mary, where there were hardships all around, where they'd not heard a word from a prophet because of the silent period of hundreds of years, where they could have been frowned upon because of this sudden news about the birth, we see 
that they still had joy, which should be an encouragement for us. Because sometimes the world is dark and we have personal surprises in our life of various kinds that might be frowned upon by others. And yet they exemplify joy. Now let's look at three things that we can learn about the joy that's mentioned in the Bible. The first one is this. Joy and happiness can coexist. Mary, right after that, if we'd kept reading, she began to sing. The Bible says, make a joyful noise. And I, for one, am so thankful for that passage. It says, don't just sing when you have a voice like Robert or Eric or all the other soloists, Michelle, some of you out there that might should be up here that sing so beautifully. No, it says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. And so she was happy and she began to sing and they were excited as relatives. They came together and they were excited about and happy about the news that they had received. Joy is deeper than happiness. It's more fulfilling. But if we're not careful, we can unintentionally, and I perhaps have done this before, think that happiness is not a good thing. And it is a good thing. But there's nowhere in the Bible says that it's bad. And the Hebrew and Greek used to describe them did so interchangeably. This was the premise behind Randy Alcorn's book, who wrote a great book on heaven, by the way, years ago. If you're looking for a great book on the subject of heaven, look at that. But he wrote a book called Happiness. So we can have joy. The joy of the Lord comes from nowhere else but the Lord. But we also can have happiness. Now I'm going to tell you, I've had some happiness in my life, especially in the last several weeks. One of you gave my wife a little bag of those cookies that have, uh, they're soft cookies. I don't know what you call them, but they had nuts in them and they had that white powder stuff on the top. And they're about that big. Whatever they're called, they're good. I didn't just eat just one. I ate every one of them. I was happy. When we gathered here on Wednesday night for Christmas karaoke, there was a lot of happy folks up in this room. We all had our favorite moments, I'm sure, our favorite pictures that I will use to my advantage from time to time. I mean... I was so happy that we were so happy. I, I'm telling you, some churches can come together and perhaps have something like that and really not have very much fun because they may not have understood that there's a difference between religion and a relationship with Jesus Christ because there's much freedom in Christ. And so when we understand the joy of the Lord, we have freedom to express ourselves and be happy. Whatever term we want to call it, the most important part is our source of joy and happiness. And that's God. It's when we don't take ourselves too seriously, but we take God seriously. And there's a difference. And I think when we look at these individuals today, we can see they had joy 
in their lives in spite of their unique circumstances. I remember years ago when I served in Clinton at Morrison Heights, we had Charles Billingsley. I think you've had Charles Billingsley come before. He's a great musician. He himself has a lot of happiness and joy. And I remember him describing the church at that time, and I trust it's still that way. It's, I've been gone a long time, but he's, he began to lead in worship and sing in worship, and he says, oh, I'm so glad to be here. You're a happy church. And I'll never forget that moment thinking, I am so glad that he described us as a happy church. And I'm telling you, if he would have come here after what I experienced over the last year, and especially on Wednesday night, I think he'd do the same thing. He said, it's a happy church, not a perfect church, but overall understanding that joy and happiness can coexist. And we have a freedom in a relationship with Jesus Christ to enjoy life and enjoy the Christmas season and all seasons of life. But there's a second thing we see. Joy provides great strength. You see, I believe that Mary and Elizabeth were able to make it through this unique time in their life when others could have certainly been talking about them because of the joy that they had before the moment. It describes them as righteous people. You see, we don't wait until a difficult time, hopefully, to draw near, though he's always ready. His arms are always ready, the story of the prodigal son. But we prepare now. We abide now. We grow in our love relationship with Christ now. You may recall that earlier in the year, shortly after coming, we looked at the story of Nehemiah in the Old Testament. Because in Nehemiah, he was described as a person who was assigned by God to go home and put a group of people together for the rebuilding of the wall. It wasn't just Nehemiah. First of all, it was God, and it was other people that joined in to strengthen the protective walls of Jerusalem. And later on in that journey, in chapter 8, if you might recall, there was Ezra who was assigned to read the book of the law. And when the book of the law was read, they were weeping. Some were weeping because perhaps they remembered the old verses and times of reading in the past and how they missed it and how much it meant to them, which is a reminder about God's Word. Some of them were, were weeping because they realized they had fallen away from their relationship with Christ, and so they were repentant and broken. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's biblical, to be broken, to admit our sin to confess it to God, make things right as much as we can if we need to do that, and then move on. And Nehemiah comes and he says, wait, wait, there's a place for repentance. There's a place for tears, but the joy of the Lord is our strength. It's in Nehemiah 8.10. He says, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some of those who have Nothing prepared to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. In other words, (coughs) it fuels your future. The joy of the Lord 
fuels our future as well as our present. And again, I would say, it is a reminder of how important it is to read the book of the law, meaning on this side of the cross, the canon of Scripture, the Old and New Testament. It's this time of the year that we should be deciding. Perhaps we do this every year or maybe for the first year. What's going to be my reading plan for my personal worship time next year? And this leads us to the final point. Joy may need to be reignited. Joy may need to be reignited, meaning if you were Mary who was betrothed to Joseph and who obviously had to endure scorn through body language or other words because this cannot be. Mary, you're a righteous person and you're pregnant? She likely had to reignite that joy over and over and over. The joy of the Lord is your strength. We have to stay connected and plugged in and look at him and not others. Because if we allow ourselves to focus on others or look somewhere else, it can rob us of our joy. Joy is Jesus. Joy is in our relationship with Christ. There are a lot of uses for the word rejoice in the Bible. It is the verb form, form of joy. It's the action of feeling or expressing joy and delight. It begins with the prefix re. This means once more or again or to return to. Maybe you're here today. And you need to return to the source of your joy. It could be because your priorities have gotten out of line. It may be just because of the last several weeks. It might be because of years have gone by. And there was a time where you were a lot closer to the Lord. I don't know. It's between you and the Lord. Or it may be because you're in conflict because you've allowed the flesh in an area of a weakness to kind of rule and take over. And So maybe today, one of the greatest gifts you could give to your Jesus is to reignite with him because he's the source of all of our joy. And sometimes it's because of a difficult time and we forget what the Bible says about our circumstances. Let me just read James chapter 1 verses 2 through 4. He reminds us, he says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. Whenever You face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. God knows what's best and what we need. Sometimes we wonder why we go through a difficult season or have circumstances that are hard because we think we know what's best for us, not so much. God's an all-knowing God. He knows what's best for you and what's best for me. And so sometimes he allows these different seasons just to see where we are in our relationship with him and see if we're depending on him and to sometimes be reignited 
in our relationship with Christ and the source of our joy. I heard this acrostic years ago, and I'm sure you have. It's a very simple example of how to be sure we have joy to keep these priorities in line. The J-O-Y, the J stands for Jesus, making sure our relationship is cultivated at number one. The O stands for others. We're reminded of that in Philippians chapter 2, 4. It says, do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. And then the Y stands for you. Sometimes we can get focused on the you or ourselves, and we can be selfish. The holidays are a great opportunity to get our priorities right, our joy back in place, and our eyes on other people. Just today, uh, in the book Mission Possible, which is a devotional book I've mentioned that I've been using this year, for December 17th, Hebrews 16, 610, God is not unjust as to forget your work and the love which you have shown toward him by his name, by having served and by still serving the saints. And the author, Tebow, goes on to explain this particular day today in a devotional about a reminder for all of us about how to serve others and keep our priorities in line. This is what he says. He says, I was blessed to bring Kelly Fulgham, a young girl I had met to the college football award ceremony in my senior year at Florida. We had just lost to Alabama the week before, and I'd been feeling bummed about football. But when I met Kelly, my attitude changed. Kelly had multiple brain tumors that affected how her entire body worked. She was fighting so hard to just walk for the first time in a long time. Tebow says, I wasn't focused on me. I was thinking about someone else. The award show started, and they announced the first award. I lost. It's okay. Tonight's about Kelly, he said. Next award. I lost. That stings a little bit, but that's all right. Third award, fourth, fifth, sixth. I lost them all. I started to go right back to that place where it's all about me, or in other words, stinking thinking. And that's about my legacy, he said. It's about how people are going to look at me, he thought. He said, but my mom was sitting behind me and could tell I was struggling like moms can do reading their children. She leaned up and whispered in Tebow's ear, you've already won tonight. You just don't get your reward until heaven. Mom was right because he had his eyes and it invited this young lady who was really struggling. And then he closes the devotion and says, one of the greatest questions you can ask yourself is, does my life change other people's lives for the better? Well, it can if the joy of the Lord is our strength. Because it doesn't dissipate or disagree, disappear when we have difficulty. 
We've got our eyes on him. We've got our eyes on other people. Some may be wondering, what can I do to do that? You probably know. But if you have any doubt, I will mention this from time to time. Perhaps I already have. Go to the nursing home. Just go visit a nursing home. Some of you, because of you, because of our association last week, we're a lot of nursing homes in Lincoln County. And because of you, people that can be very lonely, some don't have family that are there day in and day out, may never have a conversation with the person except for those that work there every day. And even then, sometimes they may not get a lot of feedback. They experience the joy of Christmas because you sang and because you presented gifts. It was a glorious time. My mother used to take me to the nursing homes when I was a kid. So I had on the job training. And I actually always looked forward to it, not because I like to see some of their sad faces, but because it reminds me of the blessing I had to have a mom similar to Tebow's that tried to train and help her children know that the joy of the Lord is most important. Don't be selfish, Hal. Don't be selfish, Timmy. Don't be selfish. Fill in the blank. But remember, when we have the joy of the Lord, we're reminded that Jesus said the greatest commandment, love God with all your heart, soul, and love others, and love others as yourself. Keep your eyes on other people. Joy is more than a name. It's all throughout the Christmas story. It's a fruit of the Spirit. I have a, uh, well, I have a number of different coffee cups. And so sometimes in different seasons, I will pull out coffee cups to match the season or the team I'm pulling for or the college I represented or whatever it might be. So I have a few Christmas mugs. This one you might see says joy, comfort and joy. And I read this story that I believe will help us understand what joy is all about and be a measurement, a measuring stick of about whether or not we have it. Here's what this guy said. He said, you are holding a cup of coffee. When someone comes along and bumps into you or shakes your arm, making you spill your coffee everywhere, if I had coffee here. Why did you spill the coffee? Well, because someone bumped into me, of course. And he said, wrong answer. You spilled the coffee because there was coffee in your cup. Had there been tea in the cup, you would have spilled tea. Whatever is inside the cup is what will spill out. Therefore, when life comes along and shakes you or shakes me, which will happen. Whatever's inside comes out. It's easy to fake it until you're rattled. So we have to ask ourselves, what's in my cup? When life gets tough, what spills over? Hopefully, we've been reminded Or we'll get our priorities right, and it'll be joy. It's a choice. People make choices. 
And choices make people. Today and every day, let's work towards filling our cups, he says, with gratitude, forgiveness, joy, words of affirmation, kindness, gentleness, and love for others. Mary sang. Elizabeth rejoiced. And John the Baptist, the forerunner of Christ, leapt in the womb. If we get rattled... What comes out? May our focus be Christ because the joy of the Lord is our strength. Lord, may joy be certainly a part of the Advent season as we prepare for Christmas as believers. But God, just a natural part of our life all year long. God, our name probably is it joy or some derivative but god as a christ follower the early christians said christians were little christ and so help us to exemplify joy no matter what season no matter what circumstance we're going through god thank you for the reminder and i pray now during our invitation that we will sing from our heart, that we might pray, we might refocus, we might spend time in prayer. God, whatever it is we need to do, that's what the invitation is about. And may it be done for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to invite you to stand. As we sing, this is the invitation. Our staff will join me. We're here to pray, talk with you, listen more than anything. The altar is open if you want to pray, but let's really think about where we are with this very important fruit of the Spirit, joy, which is all over Christmas. It's more than a name.